Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Hear the first reading of the word from Luke 11, 1 through 4. And he was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring to us a time of tribulation. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the reading of our second lesson from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Hopalong Cassidy, Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, the Lone Ranger, these were my heroes growing up. Some of you have no idea who that is. The rest of you, they're very good friends of yours. They were all cowboys as far as I was concerned. I later discovered they were actors or movie stars. And I'm not sure when I realized they were not really cowboys. I just knew that I liked watching them on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon at Dunn's Theater at the matinee. And just as the Cowboys were my childhood actor heroes, I have a new actor hero. He was phenomenal in the movie Forrest Gump. This was a marvelous story and what an unbelievable performance in an actor. And yes, life really is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Tom Hanks has become one of my heroes and it's not because of Forrest Gump though. When I saw the movie, Won't You Be My Neighbor, starring Tom Hanks, I was amazed. Tom Hanks became Fred Rogers. It was a riveting performance. His portrayal of Mr. Rogers is a timely story of kindness and compassion and portrays a real life event in the life of Mr. Rogers based on a relationship between him and a skeptical magazine writer who came to see if this man was for real. But the story was so much more for me. It was a story not often told by Hollywood about how a person of faith relates to the world and the people in it. Mr. Rogers, as some of you know, was a Presbyterian minister, and he focused his ministry on making a difference in children's lives using the new median 
of television during his life. Some thought he was superficial and shallow. He was too good to be true. But he was not that at all. He was a man of deep compassion and caring. He was a man of deep thought, intellect, and faith. And he was sustained in his relationship with God through his prayer life. His prayer life was an essential part of his life in ministry, so much so that even Hollywood included a scene of Fred Rogers pausing before he prayed to offer a blessing. And his blessing was one where he not only prayed and thanked God for the food, but he lifted up people that he had met that day and called them by name. For me, it was a powerful moment in the film. And I think the film should be required viewing for everyone around the world to help us be a little more compassionate and caring in our lives. Prayer was essential for Fred Rogers. It shaped his life and his work. He took the Apostle Paul seriously when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, pray at all times in the Spirit and be on the alert with all perseverance. Paul was essential for Fred Rogers. I wonder how essential prayer is for this morning for us as we move into ordinary, not so ordinary time following this Easter. I wonder how this COVID crisis has affected your prayer life. Seeing this movie changed my perspective on Fred Rogers and it expanded my perspective on prayer. I wonder how you were taught to pray or, or were you taught? Did your parents or Sunday school teachers teach you about prayer or did you learn it through osmosis? As children, we internalize what is happening around us. Think about it. What were the first prayers you prayed or heard prayed? My two were perhaps the same as some of yours. I imagine God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. Amen. A simple yet very powerful prayer. And the most important aspect of this prayer was not the wording, but the fact that we paused and remembered that ultimately God was responsible for all that we had received, including the food we were about to eat. I did not know it then, but I later discovered I was following the biblical instruction that Paul had shared when he wrote to the Thessalonians, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will. My parents practiced praying before a meal, and this was important to them, and it became important to me. And praying became kind of a functional thing I did before I ate. And it is something we continued with our children, and now we continue with our grands. A small but significant practice for me as I move through my daily life each day. My parents also taught me another prayer, and maybe you prayed this one too. Each night before going to sleep, we prayed as perhaps you did now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if we stop right there, it'd be okay. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, my, my, I, first of all, I didn't know as a child that I was pray, praying a classical 18th century children's prayer. Did you know that's been around for three centuries? 
And my young mind did not fully comprehend the faith required to pray this prayer and then to go to sleep knowing I might die in my sleep. But I remember as a child feeling comforted when I prayed that prayer each night, the realization that God was watching over me, even as I slept in my room, was reassuring. If God was there, the nightlight was on, and I had my teddy bear, I was good. As a child, many of us were taught that prayer is a functional and spiritual act, something we as Christians do. And as we pray, as we grow older, prayer for many of us may become a fairly routine, mundane, rote, habitual, or casual experience. It's something we're expected to do. Something we say, something external, something structured. During our most stressful times of life, our prayers may become more intense or frequent. But day in and day out, many Christians have settled into a fairly comfortable routine with prayer. Some of us are likely to pray more frequently when life becomes overwhelming and we know we cannot handle the situation by ourselves. And some of us, maybe most of us, have found ourselves praying a whole lot more this past year. For others of us, prayer has become something we do without giving it much thought or priority. It's kind of like brushing our teeth. It's good spiritual hygiene. According to the scriptures, prayer was rather important to Jesus. Listen to what happened at the Jordan, I'm sorry, Jordan River when he was baptized. Luke reports this. Now, when all the people were baptized and Jesus had been baptized, Jesus was praying. As soon as he was baptized, he prayed. And listen to what Mark said after his first, very first, remember Mark starts right as Jesus starts. Jesus starts his ministry. There's no birth narrative. It's the first gospel written. We know that. So right out, bang, right out of the blocks. Jesus has a, a full day of work, healing people, teaching and preaching. The next morning after his first day of full gospel ministry, we read these works in Mark 1.35. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Jesus sought time away from others to pray immediately after he began his life work. Prayer was an essential part of his life. It appears it received a higher priority than food since he arose early, earlier than anyone else and went out to pray before he had even eaten. Prayer was vital to Jesus in his ministry, and the disciples saw that. It was an integral part of who he was. In the fact, the disciples who later became responsible for spreading the gospel came to Jesus with one absolute request. They did not say, Lord, teach us to preach or, or Lord, teach us to do miracles. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Luke 1.1, 1, 1, he was praying in a certain place and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Have you ever asked Jesus to teach you to pray? I wonder what would happen if we did. Prayer was essential for Jesus, and I believe it's essential for all of us who call ourselves his followers. And I'm convinced that if Jesus needed to stay in touch with God through prayer, how can we not need it even more than he did? How is your prayer life these days of quarantine and COVID? 
whether you're 16 or 36 or 76, is your prayer life energizing and meaningful or mundane and routine? Is it a part of the ebb and flow of your life or an add-on late at night or in a passing thought just before you eat? I am convinced that growing in our prayer life is essential if we're to grow in our faith. And if we are committed to becoming the person God has created us to become fully, we will be growing in our faith no matter what our age is. If you look at the trees outside this sanctuary or the beautiful azaleas or dogwoods that are growing, we know there's a simple law of nature that operates. If that bush, if that tree is not growing, it's dying or it's dead. If we are not growing, we're dying. Prayer is our direct connection with God. How is that connection working for you this morning? How well are you connected in the midst of all that's happening to us and has happened to us over this last year? There are many, many books written on prayer. Some of you have read some of them. The author who expanded my understanding of prayer the most in my early adulthood was a woman named Rosalind Rinker. She has written numerous books on prayer and is seen as a modern-day C.S. Lewis by some. Her first book, Prayer, Conversing with God, introduced me to the concept of open-eyed prayer and conversational prayer. Now, that was a foreign concept to my 20-year-old traditional mind. You can't pray with your eyes open, can you? She writes, If prayer is talking to God, why not stop trying to pray and just talk to Him? Why should anyone condemn themselves for the way in which they do or do not pray? Whose approval do we want? There's no special way to pray that wins God's approval. He loves us no matter what we do or how we pray. That was freeing for me in my faith journey as a 20-something-year-old. The concept that prayer was talking to God just as I would talk to you. There was no explicit prescription on how I was supposed to pray. God loves each of us and every one of us as children. Just as we value those times our children want to talk to us, God values the time we want to talk to Him. I wish my dad had read this book. My dad was a very committed Christian taught Sunday school, very active in church, a leader in the church. But he struggled with going to church on Sunday nights. Yes, some churches used to have Sunday night services. I won't go into that, but that's another, serve, another opportunity. Uh, but at that service, the preacher would sometimes, frequently, every Sunday night, call on a layman at random and invite them to offer the prayer. My dad hated that. He had a difficult time of praying in front of others. He felt his praying did not measure up. Many people feel at times that their praying does not measure up. But I'm convinced that God does not measure our prayers. God loves us and loves any time we want to talk to Him. Seeing prayer as simply talking with God is really the way Jesus taught us to understand prayer. It sounds so simple, but there is one difficult issue involved here. Our son David realized it when he was four or five. We were running some errands on a Saturday morning. I remember right where we were in the car when he said, Dad, if, if talking to God uh, is, is prayer, if prayer is talking to God, why can't we hear him talk back to us after we've talked to him? And I'm thinking, man. 
He's sitting in the back seat in his car seat. And I'm thinking, that's a really good question. How am I going to answer that one? And then he answers his one question. He says, oh, I know. It's probably because we're so busy and we're surrounded with so much noise and we keep the radio and the television on that we just can't hear him. Out of the mouth of children. I wonder what levels of noise we are all experiencing this morning that keeps us from hearing God. I think we all would agree that prayer is communicating with God, and if prayer is communication with God, then there is talking and listening involved. I wonder how well we are listening as we pray this morning. I wonder what would happen if we listened to God as much as we talked to God. For years, God was counting my Santa Claus in the sky. I had this wish list, and I would just whip down these things and say, you will be done, amen. None of you have ever done that, I'm sure. My friend and mentor, Wayne E. Oates, wrote a book about this several years ago, and I find myself going back to it periodically because it speaks to our present culture and situation. His book is entitled, Nurturing Silence and a Noisy Heart. I like that. He also wrote a book, Confessions of a Workaholic, so he knew something about the difficulty of nurturing silence in our lives. Wayne writes, silence is not native to my world. Silence more than likely is a stranger to your world too. If you and I ever have silence in our noisy hearts, we're going to have to grow it. Wayne believed and wrote, you can nurture silence in your noisy heart if you value it, cherish it, and are eager to nourish it. He knew that it is in the nurturing of silence, we like the prophets of old, are most likely to hear the still small voice of God Almighty. The psalmist has much to say about this when he writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. Be still and know that I am God. Now let me be honest with you. Being still and silent are not things I have ever done very well. My wife will testify to that. I have sought in the second half of my life to nurture silence in my noisy heart, and my concept of prayer is continuing to expand. And I am learning to be still for two to three minutes at a time. And if I can learn that, I think so can anyone. Prayer of the heart, a prayer that includes silence and listening, is a new way, I think, of opening ourselves up to God's presence. And as we seek to quiet the shrill demands of the world and our lives and our cell phones and our computers, we can experience the deeper reaches of our heart. And Wayne wrote his book before there ever was a cell phone or a personal laptop computer. And oh, how we need this message even more today. As we cease our screaming, our demanding, our pleading, our asking, we become open to God's presence. And the very peace that passes all understanding can become apparent and the stillness of the Spirit can be known in new and powerful ways. In cultivating prayers of the heart, we enter that liminal, transformational space, that thin place where God's presence is more palpable and evident, the place that feels like home, the place we all long for, that place where thoughts you've never had before appear and connectivity with the other is apparent. It can become, as Frederick Beekner says, an encounter with the muffled presence of the holy. The muffled presence of the holy.
I'm convinced that the world is drenched with God. God is speaking all the time, all the time. We only have to learn to listen. When prayer becomes more than an act we do, we discover that prayer is about our being as much as it is about our doing. Our daily lives are going to change in surprising ways. Prayer opens us up to hear, to experience God's presence. It is so much more than we can ever imagine. It exalts, it exceeds all we were ever taught as children about because prayer is very, the very Spirit of God drawing us into a relationship that is immersed in love and possibility. Henry Now, in his classic book, The Way of the Heart, suggests that to survive the stressful, anxiety-driven world in which we live, we must develop three habits. They sound so simple, yet they're challenging in this hectic, overly connected world. He says we must find time for solitude, silence, and prayer. No small list for many of us, but something Jesus did on a regular basis. Richard Roy writes, I'm increasingly convinced that the word prayer, which has become a functional and pious thing for believers to do, is in fact a descriptor for inner experiences. The COVID pandemic has changed the world in unbelievable ways. The amount of illness and loss and grief experienced by millions is incomprehensible. Most of us know friends and family and colleagues who have been affected by the COVID virus. Some of us have become ill and survived. Some of us have lost family and friends. And this period of grief has been one of isolation and we've not had the normal support systems that we have in place to support one another. It has shaped our world in so many ways. And we have all been changed by this, whether we realize it or not. Yet in the midst of this, God is still at work moving toward us each and every day. We see his presence in the brilliant rising of the sun or the flight of the bluebird on wing or the brilliant yellow finch in the tree. We feel his touch in the evening sun and the beauty of the dogwoods and the blazing azaleas. No matter where I am or where you are in your life, God is there. And God is beckoning each and every one of us into a greater and more intimate relationship with him. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we can know God's presence. For God is love. And the more we open ourselves to God's presence in prayer, the more we experience God's love in our lives. The reality is God loves us. God loved us before we were even made. He loves us and knows, wants us to know he loves us. That is the reality of the Easter event, Jesus the Christ. And nothing, nothing, can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor even a worldwide pandemic can separate us from the love in Christ Jesus. God is present in this moment surrounding us with his love. And as we open ourselves to this love, as we open our hearts in prayer, we know this love more fully. Elizabeth Barrett Browning understood this when she wrote, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only they who see take off their shoes. The rest of us sit around picking blackberries. With the help of the Holy Spirit, may we all have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive what God has in store for each and every one of us this day as we open ourselves to God in prayer. For God alone, may our heart wait in silence.
Would you pray with me? We know, dear God, that silent prayer is not silent. It moans and hums and shifts to the movement of your spirit within and without. It surrounds, expands, it lifts and reveals your very presence that has been here from the beginning of time. May the prayers of our heart take us to your heart. May we experience joy returning, hope rekindled, faith renewed, love surrounding. May our joy be renewed, a respite from the maddening times of COVID quarantine. May our hope help us keep one foot in front of the other. May we know we are not alone, that you are here. The God of the universe, the God of Jesus the Christ, the God of all is here. May we know your love surround us. Unspeakable prayer is not silence. It is filled with your voice and presence. We would hear you today. Help us to listen, dear God. Amen. Mm -hmm.